everybody, welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast. Uh, this is Season 7, Episode 3. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network of shows brought to you today by Mountain Man Medical. Today is Wednesday, July 20th, 2022, as the recording of this episode. And I'm your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined today by my co-host and producer, Matthew Marister. And we also have a couple of guests on our episode, very special episode here today. We'll bring them on and introduce them officially here in a moment. But first, today's episode is sponsored, brought to you by Gunfighter Gun Oil. Gunfighter Gun Oil, we've been partnered with for a time now, and I've been using their stuff for a couple of years now. And all I can say is if something works and it does and it's not broke, like why change it, right? Gunfighter Gun Oil has worked phenomenally for all of my guns. I use it in my ARs, I use it in my bolt actions, my shotguns, and especially my pistols, which everybody knows that I shoot a lot. Shoot, shoot those pistols a lot. I was just thinking today, I think I've got like 35,000 rounds on one of them. And Gunfighter Gun Oil has been responsible for at least half of those rounds and not a single malfunction, which is pretty crazy to think. Gunfighteroil.com is our website. Go check them out today. Hope that you will give them a try and have as much success with it as I have. Also, today's episode is sponsored by the 2022 Guardian Conference which is going to be in September the 16th to the 18th in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Many of you have heard about it already on the podcast. You're going to hear about some more because we're going to keep filling those seats until until the event or until it's full. I actually need to check on numbers. I don't know how far we are from being full, but I know seats continue selling. So, guys, check out tickets today, guardianconference.com. We're going to have a great time. If you talk to anybody that was there last year, you know it was a top-tier event. In fact, one of our instructors, Chuck Haggard, uh, said it's one of the best conferences he's ever attended, So, which I was really humbled when I heard his feedback on that. So Chuck will be there again teaching this year, plus a bunch of other great instructors. Go to guardianconference.com, and we hope to see you there. And also one of our sponsors of the Guardian Conference, so we're mentioning them here briefly today, which... Chuck also happens, I think, to be a fan of. Uh, that's Palm Pepper Spray. Palm is this year's one of this year's sponsors, and are super excited to have them on board. We anticipate uh, seeing some Palm products out and about at the conference. And if you want to learn more about Palm Pepper Spray, go to palmpepperspray.com. It's P-O-M pepperspray.com. Okay, sponsor messages. Hey, there we go. We got it done. And here we are with our two special guests, Matthew, you haven't said a word yet, so maybe, why don't you say hello real quick, Matthew? Hello. Hey. <laughs> I don't have much to say. I just want to get to the to the meat of it and and let uh, Sarah Joy and Genevieve introduce themselves and get cranking you're, on this uh, topic. This is going to be a cool episode. You're just our pretty face here today. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, about that. I mean they're they're pretty too, but oh, they're over here. But, but I think you know you're just looking stellar with the the white and the beard and everything. I don't know what to say about that, but so you, you you just you just let it slip. Our guest Sarah. Sarah Joy Albrecht and Genevieve Jones. Hello, Sarah and Genevieve. Welcome. Thank you. This is fun to be here. Thanks for having us. We're glad to have you. It's not very often we do uh, four people on the show, actually. Uh, We typically do three, but this is a special occasion and we've made an exception for you two. So we've got Genevieve and Sarah from Hold My Guns. Holdmyguns.org is your website. Is that right? That's correct. 
So we got that out of the way, but we'll mention it again throughout the episode. So let's start with uh, Sarah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? And both of you are listed as co-founders of Hold My Guns. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, Sarah, we'll start with you. And then Genevieve, we'll we'll go to you as well. Uh, Let's hear a little bit about you guys' backgrounds. And then after we've, we've done that with each of you, let's talk about Hold My Guns and where the heck did that come from? Okay. So... Uh, I'm Sarah Joy Albrecht, and I am uh, co-founder of Hold My Guns. And what we do with Hold My Guns is we partner with gun shops across the United States, and we provide voluntary firearm storage. And it's during times of crisis, uh, like a mental health crisis or personal need. And so, you know, a little bit about myself. I'm a mom of five. I'm a range safety officer, and I help instruct at a youth rifle league. And it was because of that. And I also have um, 11 years background as a doula and childbirth educator. And it's because of that, that I founded Hold My Guns. We lost a friend to suicide and my kids came to me and said, mom, what can we do? How can we help people in the firearms community? So it's just really cool to just see how, um, you know, my background and, and even how my kids were influential in founding this nonprofit. And I'm grateful for Genevieve's friendship. We've been friends for a long time, and it's fun to be making a difference uh, together with one of my dearest friends in the world. So, Awesome. Genevieve, how about you? Sure. Oh, thanks, Sarah, by the way. That was so nice. So my name is Genevieve Jones. I'm the other co-founder of Hold My Guns. A little bit about me. I grew up in the firearms world. I started shooting when I was probably eight or nine years old and competing when I was 14. I've been an instructor for 10 years and worked in a lot of different gun shops. And I have, you know, an online presence where I just shoot a bunch of cool things and post it on Instagram. And and that's a lot of fun. (laughs) And when Sarah came up with the idea for Hold My Gun, she met up with me and said, how do we make this happen? And I knew a friend of mine who's an attorney at Prince Law Firm. His name's Joshua Prince. A lot of people are familiar with him. And I connected them and Hold My Gun was born from there. That is awesome. Joshua Prince, I saw, like you just mentioned, involved. And of course, he's involved in a lot of worthwhile things. Here's what I picked up on. I'm sure this is not anything new for you guys, but for our listeners, is Sarah, as you talked a little bit about too, about losing someone to suicide, which uh, probably most of us, if not all of us, have been touched by suicide in some fashion in our lives. Uh, I have as well. Uh, certainly have known uh, more than a handful of people have committed suicide with a firearm, specifically, which is a terrible thing. Uh, and you know, we, we know suicide's an issue. Uh, we know there's all kinds of issues in our country with respect to violence and guns being potentially a part of that violence, uh, suicide being responsible for about roughly about a third, if I'm not mistaken, or if I remember correctly, of, of deaths in America with uh, that are involved with guns. And uh, it's a terrible thing. Now we have, I'm sure, you know, this is not news to anybody out there, but politicians and various uh, gun groups would love to impose upon us certain restrictions in a supposed effort to reduce violence that involves the use of guns and, you know, like basically restrict light rights to mm-hmm. reduce suicides or murder or homicide or whatever. Specifically, we're here to talk about uh, mental health and suicide and suicide today. What I appreciate about your organization though, is that you are gun folks 
you mm-hmm. are pro 2A and your organization's all about providing crisis services while maintaining gun rights mm-hmm. and gun ownership, uh, which is super important. And this essentially, this is this, you're talking about solutions that come from within our own people, yes. not some government imposed solution. So that's awesome. Uh, when did you guys get started? Um, we lost our friend at the end of 2018 and we officially became a, like, so in that next year we started to kind of explore what we wanted to put together and we're working with, uh, Joshua Prince, who's our legal counsel. And so it took about a year to just really develop it and to, uh, it was actually at SHOT Show 2020 that we received word through Josh that we had received our official uh, 501c3 designation. And then from there, we're able to start onboarding gun shops. And we did onboard, I think it was three at the beginning, or, sorry, the end of 2021. And then um, we've been adding more since. So we're up to six storage partners. Five are functional right now as one of them. Um, St. Bernard Indoor Shooting Center was directly hit by or a tornado in Louisiana. So they're um, temporarily closed. But uh, it is really amazing to see how our efforts from within the firearms community are saving lives. People store firearms for mental health reasons. Uh, it, it might not even be the gun owner. And in the case of my friend uh, who passed, she was 18 and and uh, used a, a firearm that was, you know, one of her parents, I believe. So um, it might not be the gun owner in crisis. It might be the postpartum spouse of a gun owner, for example. Uh, we also store firearms for personal situations. For example, we had a veteran that was, um, he was evicted from his apartment and he could not take his firearms to a shelter. So there's an opportunity to store firearms offsite and voluntarily that you know has nothing to do with mental health. However, Firearm ownership is very personal to someone, and so especially to a veteran, um, which I have a lot of veterans in my family, and helping veterans is very, very dear to my heart. But, you know, when you take away someone's uh, possessions that are um, dear to them, it can create a mental health situation. So finding a solution like hold my guns that supports people so that it's not only, I always say we're not just saving lives, but we're also protecting property and preserving rights in that process. That's awesome. And Matthew, I'm sure that speaks to you. You're, you're a veteran. Uh, and, uh, I, I didn't know that, but I think that is phenomenal that you would uh, offer a service like that as well for someone that is not only in a mental health crisis, but in just a life crisis. And we do um, not ask why. And that's that's really important because you don't want to stigmatize people or assume that they have a mental health crisis going on. Um, and, you know, our priority is, is can this person lawfully possess a firearm and are they prohibited or not? And that's really what our criteria would be. It's, it's not well, if it's this circumstance or this circumstance, um, we follow just the bare bones to the law. And that's what is um, very important. We can also store uh, like a barrel or a firing pin, non-serialized critical parts, um, you know, for people who might be concerned about uh, doing a transfer, that sort of a thing. But our goal is to empower people so that they can manage their private matters 
before they become public ones. We do not want, we, we are opposed to legis a legislative approach to this and we want to give people resources to prevent them from having that kind of outside intervention that can result in loss of rights and ex parte hearings and all of that. So um, it's very important and, and from the beginning, which is why we hired Joshua Prince, who's renowned for fighting for rights and preserving rights. Um, that's why we took that route and took our time to make sure that um, we're not creating a foothold for people to lose their rights. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. One, one thing um, that I really appreciated and in, in you, you mentioned is uh, it's a, it's a voluntary thing. It's, it's something mm -hmm. that you, you don't ask why, and, you know, coming from, you know, a, uh, uh, you know, a military law enforcement background, um, mental health is stigmatized, right? Like, yes. and that's, that's a barrier that I don't think that a lot of, um, people discuss about, you know, I don't, I don't want to go to a, a doctor and say, Hey, I have a mental health problem, or I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. Right. And so I know internally, like I've taken guns, um, held guns for friends of mine that are, were going through issues. Um, and, you know, in, but in a, in a state where there are, you know, you can't do that. You, you, you have to transfer it legally, right? I can't just have somebody bring a, a, a gun over to me because the law doesn't allow that. Um, that gives, gives people, um, the ability to do this legally and more of a framework. And I think it's so big because if, if you don't give people options, they're stuck trying to deal with it on their own and internalizing everything. And that I think, um, makes the problem even worse. That's an excellent point. And, you know, even in a state where it is in Pennsylvania, you can, um, uh, have a friend hang onto a firearm for you. If it is uh, a pistol, then they have to, if you're, if, then there has to be a, uh, the friend has to have a concealed carry permit in order to do a safekeeping type transfer. But, you know, even in states where it is extremely like easy and lawful to do that, many people take for granted that not everyone has friends or family who are able to help. And so that's why it's so important to have options like this. You know, it would be wonderful if everyone had friends or family or that, and they have friends who have a firearm safe and their two-year-old's not going to get into your gun, you know? Um, but, but, we really have to remember that um, not everyone has that, that blessing of friends or family. And so, um, yeah. you know, some of the people are like, well, why would I do that? I have, I have someone that can help me out with this. Well, good for you, <laughs> you know, bless your heart. Not everybody does. So that's why it was important to come up with this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned uh, everything you just did, uh, Sarah, as well as Matthew, because th that's one of the things I appreciate about what you guys are doing because here in Colorado by universal background check law, uh, I can't just take a friend's guns. And so having a solution, and apparently we don't have any locations in Colorado yet. We need to get to work on that. Help us with that. Yes. But, uh, you know, having an option to be like that there's some local dealer here, uh, particularly in the Denver metro area where I'm located, where we could do that and uh, make it fairly simple and pain-free like that, that would be huge. Mm -hmm. I actually came across this not that long ago where a friend let me know that someone was asking them to, you know, for them to hold on to their guns for them. And I was like, Hey bro, did you know it's actually technically not a le not legal in Colorado? He's like, what? Really? Mm -hmm. like, people just don't even know. They're just like ignore ignorant to the law or they maybe ignore it because 
you know, in their mind, they're just thinking crisis, I need to help. And they're doing what they know they should do. But the law was not written with, you know, some of those unforeseen uh, uh, consequences in, in mind, uh, which is uh, an unfortunate thing. So that is awesome. So tell us, how does this work exactly, though? So like, for instance, um, I go to your website, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say that for whatever reason, and I, I appreciate also, like you said to Sarah, that uh, no questions asked. It's just I contact, I guess that's the question. How does this work? I go, okay, find storage location. And, oh, here, hey, I didn't know. These guys are in Laramie. That's not too far away. So actually, there's a solution for some folks. They want to cross the border into, call, or into Wyoming there. Uh, Gold Spur Outfitters, LLC. Oh, they've they're got their awesome. contact info. Yes. Yeah, they're really good people. So I just like call them and say, hey, uh, you're a Hold My Guns uh, dealer or storage partner, and I need to bring some guns to you. And they're like, yeah, sure, no problem. Is that how that yes. works? That's how that works. Cool. And you just set up an appointment with our storage partners, and you know they, they might ask, all right, well, how many firearms do you have? Let's clear some room in the safe type thing. Um, but it it's very straightforward. It is designed to be as simple as a typical transfer. In fact, we, um, you know, the closest thing that you could, uh, I guess, compare it to would be a consignment consignment return process. So um, I've talked a lot and Genevieve has worked in many gun shops and I want to give her the opportunity. So do you take it from here? You can describe our process. Sure. So I'll just go through it as if I wanted to store my firearms with someone. So I would like Sarah said, go to the website, find my state. And when we have more storage partners, we plan to do an interactive map, but creating mm-hmm. websites and all of that backend stuff is very challenging. So I would go on there, find my state, uh, call up a storage partner in my area, and I would say, I need you to hold my guns. And they would either set up an appointment time to come in or just tell you to come down. Um, if anyone's familiar with, with gun shops, there's something called an acquisition and disposition logbook. So anytime a firearm comes in, like for consignment or for transfer, it gets uh, written in the A&D book so that it, it temporarily transfers ownership to the gun shop. So me bringing my firearms in, they would temporarily be transferred to the gun shop. When I want to come back and pick up my firearms, I just come in and they get transferred back to me with a 4473 background check and following all state and local laws. So, for example, if I lived in California, I would have to wait 30 days or whatever for the background check to go through. But that's all talked about up front. So it's just like a regular gun sale. It's the same as a consignment, except instead of selling the gun, they're transferring it back to you when you come back to the shop. Yeah. And point of clarification, you're still the owner, but in a consignment process, you're temporarily transferring possession, which is important because uh, you do not have to fill out the 3310.4 form, which is a multiple (laughs) sale um, because it is transferring back to the owner of the firearm. So uh, it's, as Genevieve said, it is very uh, similar to a consignment, consignment return process. And there's, we have had people who are concerned about having to do a background check after it's really to protect our, our storage partners. Um, you know, I could use this for nefarious reasons if I wanted to store my firearms, commit a crime and then come back and pick them up. So we just want to make sure that the person is still lawfully able to own. However, you can, as Sarah mentioned in the beginning of this episode, store a non-serialized critical part. So if you wanted to take the barrel out of your gun and store that instead, then you wouldn't need to do a 4473 form to pick that up. Or a privately manufactured firearm. That's a way to help 
um, in that, in a situation like that, where it's like, you know, just hang on to my firing pin for me and, you know, we'll make sure that I'm, I'm not using this to harm myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are, there are ways to lawful ways to make this work, um, for different situations. Yeah. And I was actually, it's a conversation that came up with my friend that, again, that unknowingly was about to store some firearms, uh, without doing, you know, go through the proper channels here in Colorado. And I was like, well, they have ARs. Okay, cool. Take the bolt carrier groups or take the whole uppers, right? Mm-hmm. Unserialized parts, uh, revolvers. We can, we can usually very simply re- and quickly remove the cylinder from a revolver a little bit quicker than removing this, the firing pin. Yep. Semi-autos, we can pull, yeah, yeah, the back plate, pull the striker assembly out, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that was like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Right. Um, I kind of wonder, I don't know. Um, I'm just looking at this. Okay, so a couple. I have a couple questions for you. One, looking at your organization and looking at your storage uh, partner locations, and I'm like, this sounds like a worthwhile thing. That I mean, it's one of the reasons why we have you on here to just talk about it and hopefully help you grow it. Uh, you know, but I wonder. You know, like what? What if we we could we could offer a service where it's like, mail us your firing pins. <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> right? Relatively small or light, relatively, you know, small pieces of guns and uh, just, you know, ship it off in a box to, to uh, a hold my guns location and, uh, uh, and allow that to, uh, you know, just give you, give people that like someone that's in Southern Arizona, like let's say Tucson, Arizona, there's nowhere, you know, nearby they can take their guns to as far as current um, stores locations. I don't know. Just, uh, just, just me thinking. I'm glad it's inspiring you, Riley. That's pretty cool. And, you know, people who do live in states where uh, there might be issues with legal transfers, to your point, you know, many times you can steal or store something like a, uh, I say steal, I'm like, ooh, no, uh, sorry. Um, No, but there are are many situations where you could store, uh, you know, a part to a friend's firearm And what we don't want to do is just say, hold my guns is the only option that you have. And if you don't have a partner near you, you're screwed. You know, no, we want for people to realize, hey, I do have options. Maybe there's not a partner near me yet, but what else can I do to make sure that we're safe here at home? And, and that's, that's a great way to, to do it. So. I'm going to throw this question at Genevieve. Um, So how does one go about, like, if they wanted to become one of your storage partners, how, how, do, wh- 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 how does that go? How does that work? And, and what are you looking for from storage partners? So we actually have a very short questionnaire on our website. If somebody is interested in becoming a storage partner, we would ask that they go and fill that out. Um, we really just need to make sure that they uh, are a current FFL, they have general liability insurance, and they have some type of an attorney that could look over their uh, customer-facing agreement to make sure that it is compatible with local and state and local laws. Because for Sarah and I to know, you know, the state laws of everyone, it would be impossible, an impossible task. So we just need to make sure that it's compliant. Um, Other than that, we really want to, in the future, expand with our partners to offer uh, some type of training. Uh, Sarah's certified in QPR training, which is question, persuade, and refer. Mm -hmm. It's suicide prevention training. So, you know, storage partners who have classrooms that we can can come and offer classes, that would be wonderful. Uh, We want people who you know, would like to do some kind of a community effort, maybe like a, a food drive or or something like that. It's really, we want just to partner with good people 
who have an actual storefront, general liability insurance and all that. But beyond that, we want to partner with people who really care, not just mm-hmm. someone who says, okay, yeah, we'll take your stuff. See you later. You know, they really want to make a difference. And, and there's been so many incredible people who have reached out that, that really do want to make a difference. It's been pretty amazing. When yeah. you, sorry, I realize I should keep, you know, talking about the process after you fill out the questionnaire on our website, we would send over an NDA once that's, signed and filled out, then we could send over the agreement between Hold My Guns and the storage partner and the customer-facing agreement as well. Gotcha. Do you ever run into a situation where you may be looking at a prospective uh, storage partner location and that maybe they have a concern like, I don't know, I mean, imagine if somebody was that has a collection of 200 or 300 or 500 guns and they're like, I'm having a crisis. I need, hey, no questions asked, right? Like I've got these 500 guns. Here you go. Uh, you know, any thoughts on, on how situations like that might be managed? Yes. Uh, we do have, um, some of our storage partners have a larger storage capacity so far. We haven't run into that, but, um, you know, some of them have more like warehouse storage available that's affiliated with their FFL. So that's a thing, um, in the chat, I see something about, um, tax stamps. And again, it just depends on um, the the FFL if there are an, a dealer that's authorized to handle those items. But I believe we do have some that are. So, you know, again, the, the first thing to do is to call the FFL storage partner and say, here's what I'd like to bring in. Here's the quantity. Are you guys uh, able to handle this? Or, you know, can you refer me somewhere else that might be able to help? And, you know, that's why it's so important to be working with storage partners who genuinely care because they're problem solvers and their goal is to, to help people uh, in our firearms community. Right. And the more, the more options, the more, you know, people that you're working with FFLs that are working with the, the, you might not have your first guy might not have enough storage to hire, you know, to hold 400 guns. But um, that's why this is, this kind of stuff is important to get this information out. So more FFLs can come on board and, and be part of this. Um, Yeah. With, without, I I don't want to like shift and I'm sure we'll come back to like the process and, and, and everything, but you know, you guys do more than just set up, you know, uh, partnerships with FFLs, right? Like you guys are certifying, um, tr- uh, firearm trainers and, and going out and tr- really trying to help people in the community be more aware of the signs and, and how to, how to recognize, um, mm-hmm. people that might be, you know, heading towards a crisis or, or, or on the verge of that and how to kind of broach those subjects and, 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 um, you know, how, how is that, you know, can you kind of go through that with uh, maybe firearm instructors, what you guys are looking for, how you do that and, and why that that's, it, it's kind of like a two prong uh, attack, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I love teaching QPR suicide prevention classes. I think it's something that's much needed as Genevieve mentioned, it stands for question, persuade and refer. And one of the reasons why we started teaching QPR is because Genevieve had a uh, student sign up to take one of her firearms classes and she recognized that something was off on this person's baseline and stopped the training. We had another board member have a similar experience. And so in our board meeting, we were, were like, wow, like, what do you do? Um, we noted that in, you know, whenever as an RSO, if I'm 
going to be at an event, I'm going to be asking for the standard operating procedures. And if you look in a SOP, it's, there's nothing in there about, you know, what number do I call? Who do I call if someone on my range is in crises, right? And we realize that there's not really a lot of training around mental health and gun ranges. So uh, we decided to start looking into what training options are out there and, I chose to get trained in QPR with the sponsorship of Hold My Guns because it does not set up the person who's helping as a mental health professional. It trains you to look for warning signs, to learn how to talk to people in a compassionate and persuasive way, and to empower them to connect to resources that are appropriate. And I felt that was very important because, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist and but I can recognize if there's a change to baseline on on the the firing line and if I see someone out there who's you know they they look like they're having a a moment I I automatically I'm already going over and saying hey do you need help with anything what's going on today and to be able to have that training to take it a step further to say um Hey, I'm, I'm noticing these things. How are you doing? How are you really doing? I'm just wondering, you know, are, are you thinking of harming yourself? Uh, and, and then saying, let's step away from the firing line. Let's make this safe and let, let's have a conversation. And so, uh, we've been offering this training. We, the first time we offered QPR training was at Lower Providence Rod and Gun Club. And there were 50 people that attended that. We, the next time, um, and, and that was before I was certified, and then I taught at a Girl in a Gun National Conference. We did uh, six uh, groups of ladies, 10 ladies in each group. So that was uh, 60 people certified at a Girl in a Gun Conference. And then just, I think it was a week and a half ago, uh, did a training with Active Self-Protection's uh, instructor cohort and certified 30 people there. So the number of instructors are growing. A uh, cool thing was I happened to sit next to Beth Alcazar from USCCA on the flight home from a girl in a gun. And I said, Hey, like it was just providentially we we're sitting next to each other. I was like, I have all my materials with me. How would you like to get certified in suicide prevention counts for two continuing education credits while we're on this plane? And she said, yes. And she wrote an article about it. So um, the, it is beautiful to see that the firearms community is recognizing that there's a need to do this. And to, and our hope is that, you know, if God forbid there were a situation like a student contacts an instructor, like what happened with Genevieve, you know, that instead of thinking, how can I have access to firearms in a range? They might say, wait a second, this instructor is certified in suicide prevention maybe I can ask some questions and get some help through them. That's our hope. And we also would like to see um, in those standard operating procedures that ranges think, you know, what what resources are available and what training can we provide to our RSOs and instructors so that they know how to de-escalate and refer someone to help if, if we ever see that at our range. That's super important uh, because suicides at ranges are, it happens. It's a thing. It's mm-hmm. a thing. And it's sad to see. And it's sad uh, for everybody involved, but it's sad for the range. It's just, they're just a tool, you know, they're just, they're just a means. Unfortunately, at that point, a lot of times, and they want nothing to do with that. Of course, I went through QPR training. Uh, we actually hosted uh, two sessions uh, of QPR training that was uh, hosted by our church uh, cool. a little while back. And I thought it was a uh, really excellent training. And I was, I got excited when I heard that you're, that you're a, a QPR certified trainer. So it's really cool. 
Thank you. And we tailor that to meet the needs of the firearms community. You know, we do talk about um, there are, as, as you're probably aware with the QPR training, they give statistics for suicide. And so we also include a few extra slides in there to talk about the bigger context, you know, um, that, that firearms have many defensive, there's many defensive gun uses each year. Um, even recently, right. We heard about the, the, um, the situation. Georgetown study. Yeah. So there's, there's a Georgetown yeah. study. Um, but, you know, recently we even heard about the situation where the, the gentleman in the Indiana mall uh, stopped a threat. So, um, you know, we never, it, that's why it's so important from our perspective that we need to preserve rights because the bigger picture is, is that firearms are used to prevent people from becoming victims all the time. And it just ties in with that beautiful idea of liberty. How can we take it a step further to be responsible and to look out for people and to be equipped, not for waiting when you're in crises to be thinking about these things, but just like with firearms training, to be prepared ahead of time and to, to know what to do. I really appreciate Genevieve's uh, work in mental health advocacy. In fact, Silencer Co. even did a documentary on her and how the firearms community and its protective factors made a difference in her life. So uh, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Genevieve, do you have anything to add? No, you're doing, you're doing a great job, Sarah. You always do. Thank you for uh, the high praise. Yeah, I, I believe that in the firearms industry, if we all start talking more about how we're feeling, then people will be less afraid to talk to someone about how they're feeling. I get a question like at least every single day, how do I get help if I own firearms? I mean, I've been in therapy for like 12 years. So I usually just tell people, you know, I go to therapy, I take medication, I'll shout it on the internet and it's fine because you have to be able to take care of yourself at a certain point. And I think that people don't understand that a lot of mental health professionals don't want to put you in a hospital. They don't want to take your rights away. And there's a way to do it and be safe at the same time and protect yourself. But getting help is important. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, I appreciate you guys heart so much on this aspect because I think suicide, um, you know, is with firearms um, kind of like that, that whole issue gets pushed to the side by people inside the 2A community and outside, right? Because like the the people that want gun control, they count suicide deaths in with gun, mm-hmm. gun, I'm putting quotes on if you're not watching, if you're just listening, like gun violence, right? Um, it, it is violence, right? And those lives do matter. But it's a different, it's it's different than somebody, you know shooting people in in a mall right Mm -hmm. so like a lot of people inside the community they say well we'll just we'll separate those out but they never come back and address those right they they take them out so they can address it and say well they're not crime you know they're not criminals you know against an innocent person you know so let's not count those and then on the other side so nobody's really like digging into that specific you know you know making more gun-free zones isn't going to keep people from being depressed or having a manic break and killing themselves. Right. So the, the legislation act part of it doesn't help. And so what you guys are doing and, and, you know, similarly like walk the talk and, and some of these other organizations that are really starting to more focus on this is really important because, you know, we have 
uh, within the the two A community, a lot of you know military and 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 law enforcement, and that stigma keeps people from talking about it, from seeking mm-hmm. help, from just being real and opening up to their friends and saying, you know, dude, I I need some help, man. Can you can you hold my guns? Like even that is hard for a lot of people, and just talking about it and knowing that there's other people and there's other options and uh, people care. Um, I think, I I think it's going to make a difference. I, I, I truly believe that. Thank you. And I, I love that you brought up the term gun violence and that it makes the hair in the back of my neck stand up. Like I hate that term and I'll tell you why. And like you said, you know, it's all lumped together. Uh, and and 60% of all firearms related deaths are suicide. So it's really great. They can pump up the numbers when they do that. However, I want for people, whenever we think about statistics, we always need to bring it back to people. And I always think about my dad, uh, who he's uh, served in the Marine Corps. He actually enlisted to go to Vietnam. So it tells you a lot about his personality. And he, um, I say, you know, think about my dad. If my dad were ever in crises and you're pushing, you know, Oh, thank you for your service. Here's a suicide prevention brochure because you're a veteran and that, you know, and, and we've had conversations like that, that people have done that kind of a thing. And when you think about people, when you use the term gun violence, what you're doing is you are equating that person for having suicidal ideation with their firearm, with somebody plotting an armed bank robbery. It's the same thing. And you don't want to do that. And I say, are you telling someone like my dad who served his country and who cares about people would give you the shirt off of his back that he's in the same category as some person that's premeditating an armed bank robbery? And it makes me angry. And I want for people to understand like words mean things and just using this blanket term gun violence, it creates stigma and it makes gun owners our whole point is to reach gun owners, right? We want to reduce those deaths. It actually makes them not want to get help. So I just really want to encourage people to think about the way that you talk about suicide and the way that you talk about mental health and getting help and don't buy into the political narrative just to call it all gun violence. That's crap. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh what are some ways, like just random folks here listening to the podcast, what are ways people can get involved to help you in your mission? We uh, thrive on financial support and um, donations from the community. A moment ago, we were talking about how there are legislative efforts out there to try to reduce the number of gun-related deaths. And that is the machine that we are up against. And we want to make sure that our message is one that is um, coming from within the firearms community that's not being persuaded by which we wouldn't, we've turned down funding from outside organizations um, for that reason. But the fact that it comes from within the firearms community means that their solidarity amongst all the stakeholders involved. So whether you are, you know, you have a, um, a firearms related business or even a hardware store or whatever it might be there, you know, being a uh, sponsor of hold my guns really helps to get the mission out there. We are always interested in bringing on board new storage partners. Our goal is to have a storage partner in all 50 states so that people don't have to cross state lines and deal with, you know, different um, 
firearms related laws. So that's a way that you can get involved. If you go to our social media, there's a, a link tree in our bio and you can print. Um, we have an awesome brochure that we have that people can download and take to their local gun shop um, and share and just say, hey, you know, this is something that is coming from within the firearms community. Would you be interested in helping? We are always looking for people to share content online and to volunteer to help get the word out. There's also on that form that Genevieve mentioned, uh, which you, there's it's in our link tree. You could also sign up to be a volunteer and then signing up for the newsletter as well to keep you um aware of the upcoming events and, and trainings that we're offering and participating in, in, in them and helping to get the word out is tremendous help. So, so, um, you know, obviously I, I appreciate you guys not, not compromising the, what, what the organization's intent is by taking outside funding and, and changing that and letting them kind of dictate what you guys are going to do. And that that's totally commendable. Um, but it does, place limitations on you guys. Right. And so, and, and within, you know, the gun owner community, um, there can be some, and not everybody's of the same mind. And so what are some of the, the main objections you've had from within the community as far as like, Hey, you know, I think it's a great idea, but I'm not willing to do this because of this, or these are my concerns. And how would you address those? So if somebody's listening and they're like, well, you know, I, I, I don't know about this or, you know, the, the privacy aspect, um, what would you say to like, to kind of, you know, answer those, some of those common questions you get or, or objections? Well, first of all, at SHOT Show this year, uh, really awesome. Um, Active Self-Protection was interviewing me and on camera, they surprised me with the fact that uh, they were going to do matching donations and that they were partnering with HK and Mantis and Palm Pepper Spray, which by the way, I have <laughs> right here, also one of your show sponsors. And they helped to uh, do matching donations up to $20,000 and we raised 7,000. So it came to $27,000 just from that SHOT Show campaign. So the first thing that people who might be interested in sponsoring um, might want to know is that some leading brands in our industry actually care about this and they are on that pathway to um, providing support to hold my guns and there's no better time to get involved. It's, it's the cool thing that cool kids are doing it. Um, so I would say that. And then uh, I'm really grateful, as Genevieve said earlier, that people are asking hard questions. We're always available to answer them. Privacy is a concern. And because of that, we're, we worked with Joshua Prince and he wrote in the contract that if there is ever a court order, which the acquisition and disposition logbook is not something that someone can just go and look at off the street. The uh, gun shop employees are authorized. The people uh, who are doing those recording it in that logbook to say, this is our inventory, what we have, they're authorized to see it. And ATF IOI is, is authorized to see if they're doing a spot check, but otherwise you need a warrant to look at that book. And that is in our, um, our storage contract. And we take it a step further, Matt and Riley, because we care about that. And we have it in our contract that if there is a court order that the FFL partner is required to request that their personal, like their name is sealed so that that information is not shared. And that's very important because, um, and it is up to the judge, but they'd have to make a pretty, you know, strong argument why it couldn't be sealed. 
because we know that people like veterans and law enforcement and people who have, you know, might be prominent in a community, they don't want to have, or just someone like me, you know, a mom of five, I don't, would not want my name to be in a newspaper um, because someone, you know, was looking at a log book. And so it's, we are very, very um, almost uh, obnoxious <laughs> about protecting privacy. And we invite people, you know, to continue to ask questions like that. We want for them to support us, but I don't like it when people just say, oh, wow, that's a really great idea. Let's just, let's just go for it. Because honestly, that's how a lot of the gun grabbing groups, uh, they, that's how they roll. They are like, well, you really care about saving lives, right? So even though you're a gun owner, just join us. Uh, no, we know what your ulterior motive is. So we really value transparency and privacy and we're here to answer questions. I am again, I can just keep coming back. I'm like, this seems like a worthwhile thing. I think we should support it. And I'm thinking, by golly, all the little local ranges next to me here and gun shops, I'm gonna go talk to these people. So maybe I need to like find some brochures or get some from you or something, because that might be helpful. But uh and I, I'm gonna encourage our listeners too, like go to holdmyguns.org, look at their info. See what they're all about. I mean, you're hearing it firsthand here too. And then, like, go talk to some folks about this. I think. I mean, money's good too. Well, we'll, we'll let's donate some money, money too. But like, let's get more of these locations mm-hmm. uh, because we need more of them. There's a lot of a lot of country out there. That's uh, U.S. is a big country. Yes. So that's that's my takeaway from all this. Is like I'm like. All right, I'm going. I'm going down to this range and that range and that gun shop and that gun shop places I, I do business with or frequent regularly, and we're gonna have some conversations about this. That sounds good. And they need to be they need to be an FFL. So some some gun ranges are not necessarily uh, federal firearms licensees. So that's a requirement. They need to have general liability insurance and they need to be a public facing entity. We do require a legal review. And if they have an attorney working with them already, that's helpful. But that's another way that people could get involved. If they have an attorney who's in the firearms community, they're pro rights to be able to review that contract and make sure that it is compliant with the state and local laws is important. Recently, and you've probably heard in Washington, they now have a mag capacity ban. So you, you're not allowed to have a fire a, a magazine of over 10 rounds. And they're like, well, that doesn't affect existing gun owners. Well, actually it creates an obstacle for storage because our FFL partner can no longer transfer a 10 round magazine. And so again, when you take a legislative approach, you're demonizing gun owners and it does affect things like suicide prevention. So uh, one side of their mouth, they're saying, oh, yeah, just store your firearms off site. And, the mean, and the, on the other side, they're like, we're going to make it really hard for you. We're going to turn you into criminals. So that's why it's important uh, to have that legal review. And donations go to things like that. They go to things like if we have a storage partner that um, needs a, a larger safe that we can start you know, collecting funds to help them so that they can better support their community. So that's another way people can get involved, uh, connecting us with attorneys or offering to sponsor a gun shop that would be interested in joining. Even though there's no fee to join Hold My Guns, there are some logistical things that, yeah. that can get expensive. So, Of course, of course. Speaking of Washington, for our Washington State peeps, uh, Randall Fine. Randall Family Firearms LLC. It looks like in the Seattle Tacoma region. Just look at yes, the map. Yes, they are awesome. Yeah, uh, for you Washington folks, if you're gonna 
have them hold your guns, you might want to make sure you hold on to your mags. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. so, you're because you're exactly right, Sarah, about that terrible law up there. So so I had a like a procedural question. Let's say um I, you know, want to have somebody I want to use one of your FFL uh you know partners and um I'm facing crisis, a financial crisis. And is there a fee for this in um is it based, you know, does the FFL set that fee? Is it a, is it, you know, a universal fee across, you know, w- when you partner with them that you stipulate the fee or how does that work? The, so go ahead. The FFL go ahead, partner would set the fee. Um, so how some of our partners are doing it now in the contract, they'll say, you know, we're going to charge you a small fee, maybe 10 or $20 a month to store this firearm. And if we don't hear from you within X amount of days, like 60 or 90 days, then we have the right to sell this firearm for the agreed upon price. And all of this is in customer facing agreement. So the person who's storing firearms would sign off of this before they even go through with the process. We do have a lot of people who say, I don't want $20 to come between someone's life or not. So I don't want to have to charge them. But the problem with that is then you're asking people why they're storing. And that is essentially like creating a registry because it's like, I, I won't charge you money if you're in a mental health crisis, but in any other time, if you're going on vacation or your grandparents are staying with you or whatever, I'll, I'm going to charge you 20 bucks a month. So we really do encourage people to just set like a small affordable fee just for everyone. So you don't have to ask that question. Mm-hmm. And some of our gun shop partners are talking about doing like a roundup program mm-hmm. for uh, doing scholarships. And we also have um, folks with different veterans organizations that are looking at doing something like that as well to make a donation to help um, offset some of those costs. And that way, if someone is in a time of financial need, and I personally know what that's like. I, I grew up on welfare and eating out of garbage cans. So, so I get it. I get it. And, you know, we, but we don't want to make have people making that choice between like being safe and their next meal. And so, you know, having a scholarship, that person can say, um, hey, I'm not able to afford it this month. Can I take from the scholarship fund? And that way there, there's still communication between the gun owner and the gun shop that they know their intention and they're not just stashing firearms with them and going to ghost them. So it's important to have a business transaction that's happening there. It keeps it professional and it makes sure there's good communication. But if someone's ever in that situation, some folks have said they will help with it. So if you're hearing this, get in touch with us and, and, you know, whether you want to sponsor people or that is an obstacle, we want to help solve that. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just keep going over things on your site here, and now I'm also uh, I'm like a you know squirrel or a dog I, that that finds a squirrel. I'm like, oh squirrel, hey, look, you know, I'm on uh, GoldspurOutfitters.com and learn more about some of your uh, storage uh, partners. But um, okay, so yeah, what else have we, haven't we talked about that we should talk about before we let the two of you go? I think we're getting close to our our time here. Something that we haven't talked about yet that I think is really important is having a personal safety plan. And you can download that. Um, if while you're being a squirrel, Riley, you can you yeah. can take a look at this if you go where, to our where is it? <laughs> go to the insta go to our Instagram or to our Facebook and click on the link tree. Um, and you can download it's a two-page personal safety plan. There you go. And Riley is looking on his phone, everybody. 
And that is something that you can download. You're not filling it out on our website. You, you can fill it out with a pencil if you'd like. And what we want is for gun owners to think ahead before they're in a time of crises. Who am I going to call to help me think? What resources do I want? Which um, doctor or pastor or buddy am I going to call when I am in crises? I want it, we want for people to think ahead and not be in the midst of a difficult time and then trying to think. Just like when we train with our firearms, we we are doing all of our thinking and our training ahead of time to prepare us for being in a difficult situation where we're we're engaging with a threat. And it's the same thing with threats from within. We want for people to think about if I'm ever in the situation, we never know what the day is going to hold. Just last week, my 18 year old got into a motorcycle accident. He's okay. But I, you know, when we woke up that morning, we had no idea what our afternoon would hold. And so it is arrogance. If people think, Oh, that'll never happen to me. It's better to have a plan, including a plan for what to do with your firearms than to find yourself in an unexpected situation where you're injured or you're having a other crises in your home and, and not know what to do. When you do that, you're along. If you don't know what to do, you're along for the ride and you have a stronger chance of having your rights taken away because that's what someone's suggesting to you. And you don't have the wherewithal in the moment to say, no, this is what our plan will be. And this will help preserve rights. Um, part of that plan might be making sure that you have the right attorney who can help you too. I'm not, I'm sorry, but I'm going to give my attorney a call before I answer questions. It's it all ties together with the idea of personal responsibility and exercising your liberty in a way that, that helps to um, preserve your rights, but you have to think about it ahead of time. So I would say, you know, everyone has homework today, go download that personal safety plan, fill it out, you know, put it in your dresser or something. You might not ever need it, but it's better to have it uh, and think about it ahead of time and and not need it than to need it and not have it. 100%. Yeah. It, I, I think that's fantastic. And, and, you know, and, and I pray to God that no, you know, the, the, the listeners, you, you wouldn't have to use that either, but on the, on the flip side, maybe that going through that makes them think about how they could be uh, how, how they can, invest in other people's lives, the people around them that they have influence in their mm -hmm. lives. And, and how can I be somebody that somebody respects enough or trusts enough to put me as that person that they're thinking of me when they're filling out that, that list. Like wow. if I'm in crisis, yes, I can go to Matt and because I trust him, I, you know, and, and, and it takes investing in people's lives. So, so, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you don't want to have to use it. And, but at the same time, maybe you could be that person for somebody else that reaches out and, and, and they rely on and gets them. What a beautiful you know. idea, Matt. Cause like, you know, if imagine that, imagine if you had a friend in crises and you didn't know how to talk to them and you said, Hey, I just went to hold my gun site. I downloaded the personal safety plan. I don't know if you have someone that you can call, but I want, I'm giving you this plan and I want you to know that you can count on me. What a beautiful way to present that in a non-threatening, non-stigmatizing way to say, I'm here for you, yep. you know? Yep. This is why we keep Matthew around <laughs> and pay him the big bucks. <laughs> By the way, uh, folks, uh, okay, so your link tree on Instagram has a ton of resources. So, folks, go follow Hold My Guns on Instagram. Hold My Guns, I think it was the handle. Hold My Guns org. Hold my guns org. Yes. And like I got I got right here your brochure. So I got you, fam. I go print some of these and awesome. go uh 
you know, talk to my peeps. Uh, I looked at the personal safety plan, looked really solid. And you have a, a girl on a gun version of a personal safety plan, which had a lot of really good info on it. It looked like, um, yeah, so there, so there you go. Instagram, hold my guns org. And on Facebook, you're hold my guns. I'm going to go find that right now. Okay. Should be hold my guns org as well. And we're org. also on LinkedIn and on, um, telegram. So find us different socials. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I know that uh, Genevieve's got something that she's got to run for. So we're kind of at that, uh, <laughs> that, that mark now. We've got to wrap it up. Sarah and Genevieve, you both have been wonderful. And it's been fun to learn about a, a wonderful organization, an important organization, everything you're doing. I'm all about finding resources within our community to, to help and serve the community without... Mm-hmm the legislative uh, uh, interference that we know everybody wants to shove down our throats. So this is a wonderful thing that you, that you've got going and I hope that we can be a part of it and support you in some way. And I uh, hope to uh, continue to talk with you again in the future. Uh, please do reach out and let us know if there's anything we can do to help here at the podcast or at concealedcarry.com. And we've already mentioned the website a few times and the f- socials, but ladies, last words or any any kind of final goodbye stuff that you want to throw out there? Genevieve? Thank you guys so much for having us on here uh, to talk about Hold My Guns. I, I love being a mental health advocate for the gun community. And I, I hope to see this things like this inspire people to talk about their own personal struggles and be there for one another. Other than that, just talk to your local gun shops about us, donate if you want, uh, all the information's in the link tree. You can even watch that documentary that Silencer Co. did on me. It's in the link tree as well. But thank you guys. And I would say that um, for people out there listening, uh, we we genuinely care about our community. And I hope that, um, that we've brought some hope today to people who are listening and to know that help and resources are out there and Uh, feel free to get in touch if you guys have any needs in that area. We're happy to connect you to our resources. We love liberty. We love firearms and we enjoy helping our community to thrive. Awesome. Thanks again so very much, Uh, folks. We're going to have to wrap it up here. Thank you, Matthew, as well, for being here and being our pretty face to look at. And so until next time, folks, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. Mm -hmm.